we are in a new series called Family Life. The good, the bad, and the crazy. Good morning. Good to see you today. Let's say that together. The good, the bad, and the crazy, all right? So we're going to just participate together for just a second because I feel like the rain has just kind of made us all just kind of, right? So we're going to do this together today, all right? Um, here's the question I'm going to answer, or I want you to answer for me. Family life is blank, all right? I want you to think in your head what you would say family life is, and we're going to say it together in just a second, okay? Family life is, okay? You got it in your head? You got it? What you, the word you would use? Raise your hand if you got a word. All right, you ready? On the count of three, we're going to say it all together, this whole mixed up. You ready? One, two, three. Family life is... All right, good. And if you heard something bad next to you, just ignore it, all right? <laughs> family life is good, family life is bad, and family life is crazy. And that's just Monday, right? And the reason why family life is so many things, there's just so many seasons in our life. There's so many situations that some of us have to deal with. Some of us who've lived very long at all, some of us have dealt with the loss of someone that we care about. Maybe you've lost a child, and so for you to hear about family is hard because you're, in your mind you go back and you think about an accident, a car accident, or something that happened. Um, in the first couple of services, I was overwhelmed with just people coming up to me and hearing their stories. And when you walk in and you talk to somebody, you don't know what they're going through. You don't know their story regardless of their age. You're like, dude, man, alive. So when we talk about family, family's hard because there's something that happened. Family life is hard. I was, my grandma is 80-some years old, and, and her husband, who was my grandpa, he died in 1997, and it's 2017, and so she's been alone for 20 years. And so when we talk about family, she thinks of grandkids and her kids and stuff, but there's a part of her that's missing because her, the person that she's spent most of her life with isn't there anymore. So there's a tension there because when we say family life, there's a part of our family that's not here. For some of us, when we talk about family, there's a tension because the ideal situation in your family didn't play out. They left you or you left them or something happened. And so when we talk about family, you understand it for other people, but it's harder for you to get excited about a series like this because Family kind of stinks. Family, there's hurt there. For some of us today, even as, as kids or teenagers, when we hear the word family life or family series, it's hard for us to, to really get excited about that because for us, family life is difficult. In fact, I'm not trying to be depressing. I'm trying to be encouraging today. But at the same time, there's probably very few of us that when we talk about family, there's not some kind of tension. There's probably very few in here who would say, everything in my family is good. And then for some of us, family is hard because you did everything you know to do, and, you did every, and your spouse did everything they know to do, and your kids are grown, and you're looking at them, and you're like, what happened? Right? I don't mean that funny, and I don't mean not funny. It's just truthful. Family life can be good, and it can be bad, and it can be crazy. And in our minds when we're, you know, first married or when we're kids or even, you know, all throughout our lives, we have these ideas in our mind of what the ideal is. This is what's ideal. 
But what we find, the real, doesn't match the ideal. And so it, maybe it's hard to want to sit in here and listen to this because family is messed up. I share with you today, everyone's family is messed up. Can I get an amen? Yeah, turn to your neighbor and say, our family is messed up. Yeah, we got some laughs, we got some looks that aren't so laughable, we've got all kinds of things in here. Every family is messed up, and what I mean by that is there's no such thing as a perfect person, and there's no such thing as a perfect family. Do you guys like the people watch? Have you ever just sat, sometimes I'll sit at the South Subway and sit out the, you know, just look at the window and just watch people drive by. Or, or I'll be at the mall, which I don't, have, don't go to the mall very often. But like in Joplin sometimes, and I'll just sit there because my wife wants to shop every store and I'm done after one or two stores. I'll just sit there and I'll watch people. Have you ever just watched people? Don't you think people are weird? I mean, I'm in that category too. You just watch people like, man, they're weird. And then you see the rest of their family like, oh, they're all weird. And I know when, yeah, it's the truth. And then I know when my family walks by, people are saying, oh, they're weird. We're weird. We're crazy. We're different. And in the midst of the struggle and the tension and trying to get it right, and yet we don't always get it right, God has a plan for us. And I took the time to unpack all these different family situations and dynamics this morning because I'm afraid sometimes when we have a series like this, if we don't fit, you know, being 35 years old and have two or three kids, then we feel like this series isn't for us. And I want to tell you today, this series is for all of us, regardless of where you find yourself today. And I want to share with you a principle that we're going to talk about over and over over the course of this series that doesn't just go for if your family's going good or you're going bad. It's for, for all of us at every season in our family. Each one has to follow the one for God's design to work for everyone. Yeah, I know that. That didn't work for my family. But it can move in forward, at least in your heart. Each one has to follow the one for God's design to work for everyone. Let's say that together. Each one has to follow the one for God's design to work. And the tension is that doesn't always happen. But that's the real, or that's the ideal. I want to talk to you about how God had an ideal in the very beginning, and, and then things got real, and we didn't follow the ideal. If you have your Bibles, or you've got the YouVersion app on your Bible, you can go to Genesis. But we're going to talk about the beginning. A lot of us have heard this story, and if you haven't, you're getting ready to hear it. But in the book of Genesis, we know that God creates everything. He creates the earth, and He separates land from water, and He creates vegetation and he creates fish and animals and all of this there's something missing and he creates humanity he takes dust and creates man and he's like you know man needs someone with them and he creates woman and then he stops creating because it doesn't get any better right doesn't get any better than man and woman he's like this is my masterpiece and in genesis 127 it says for god created us in our own, God created male and female in His image. You were created in God's image this morning, regardless of your story or your family situation. And then He tells uh, man, after He creates them, He places them in the Garden of Eden, which is this beautiful place. I mean, better than any vacation, tropical spot you've ever been to before. And He says, I'm going to put you in charge, especially 
He's to Adam, he looks and he says, I'm going to put you in charge and I want you to tend and watch over your family. And I'm not going to preach this sermon too long because <clears throat> I don't want to ruin Father's Day, which is a part of this series, it's the last message. But I think what's wrong with families today, not everyone's family, but in our world and in a lot of families today, is that men are not tending and watching over their families the way that God intended them to. And I put myself in that category at times. It's easy for me to check out. It's easy for me to just say, go do your thing. I just want to relax. But taken to an extreme, that can create chaos. And it happens in this story. Adam, for whatever reason, does not tend and watch over his family. And the next command that God says is, don't eat of the tree of the fruit of good and evil. You see it on the screen there. Or you're going to die. And so what happens is, is Adam and Eve, they hear this, they're in the garden, they're doing their thing. And the serpent comes into the garden, we know the story, and if not, a serpent comes into the garden, tempts Eve, and Eve falls for it, and long story short, Eve eats the apple, and Adam eats the apple, and sin enters the picture, and there's a relationship break between God and, and man, and then God comes back to the cool evening, you know, the breeze is going and God's thinking everything's okay and he comes into the garden and they're always there to greet him. But for this time, for some reason, they're not. And God calls out to him and says, where are you? And Adam replies, we hid because we're naked. And God's like, how do you even know you're naked? Did you eat from the tree? And so the question today that I, that I ask for us to think about today is how did they get here and because of how they got here it's not just for them you know then but now when we're standing outside of Eden and we're looking back saying how in the world did we get here what caused all of this I think the answer can be found in the question who was Lord who was Lord when the serpent came along where was where was God and who was Lord when you were supposed to be tending over your family and you weren't. Who was Lord in your life, Eve, when the, Satan came and tried to influence you? And I share with you today the mess that the first family made with this question, who is Lord? Because in our own lives today, if we don't answer this question for our own families, in our own individual lives, we'll find ourselves making similar situations and being in similar circumstances and saying, how did this happen? But at the same time, God gives us grace through Jesus Christ, regardless of where we find ourselves today. Having said all of that, there's some things that we can learn from this first family that we can apply to our lives, okay? Here's the first thing that we can learn. In order to have a healthy family life, or to begin a healthy family life, or if we're not in a good spot, we've got to honor God above all other family relationships. Let's say that together. Honor God above all other family. Not to pick on Adam and Eve, I don't know that we'd have made a much better decision. But Adam didn't honor God's command to tend and watch over the garden. And he allowed Eve... To make decisions. He wasn't protecting her. He wasn't helping her to make right decisions. He allowed it to happen right in front of his nose. He didn't have God first. Eve wasn't honoring God first with the command that he had given. He, she allowed herself to be influenced by somebody else. And as a result, there was this falling out. 
I share that with you today, not for us to look back and feel bad about why things are the way they are. But I share that with us today as we look forward to where we want our family to go. We need to take some advice and and hear what God's saying in Scripture that we have to honor God above all other family relationships. I am supposed to love God more than I love Whitney. That's my wife if you're new today. I am supposed to love God more than I love Noah, Grace, and Luke. That's my kids if you're new. I have to be honest with you. I have to make sure and ask myself that question all the time because it's really easy to honor one of my kids or my wife over what God says at times. And when we do that, we find ourselves in a place we don't want to be. Jesus says, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. We've heard this before, and it's true, and you'll hear it again in a later message in this series when we talk about marriage. You hear, you've heard it. The greatest gift you can give your kids is to love your wife. The greatest gift that you can give your family is to love God first. The other thing that we can learn from this story that I just shared with you and that we, some, some of us know, not everyone has your family's best interest at heart. Let's read that. Not everyone has your family's best interest at YouTube does not have your 8, 9, 10, 11, 12-year-old boys' best interest at heart. The kids that you go to school, the kids that your kids go to school with, they don't necessarily have your family's best interest at heart. The people that you work with, and, and I'm not trying to create paranoia here, I'm just saying and realize, not everyone that we work with has our best interest at heart. Not every relationship that you have in life, do they have your family's best interest at heart. We see God creating the garden, but God allows choice into the garden. And we see the serpent, who was the shrewdest of all the wild animals. You ever know somebody who you just know their agenda when you see them, like you see them coming and you're like, you're ready for them because you know they don't have, their heart's not in the right spot. Those are the easy ones to avoid. What's tricky, and all of us have had this happen to us before, where we've trusted someone or we, we think someone's coming from a good spot and they're not coming from a good spot and we end up being suckered because of it. I share that with you, not so that we're paranoid and, and you know we, we can't have relationships with people, I share that with you because if we're not putting God first, now hear this, if I can get my words out of the way and get you, and we can hear it, if we're not putting God first, then we're not going to be able to discern when someone or something comes into the situation because in our own self, we're not going to have the wisdom to discern. What's that mean? When you're in high school and some girl likes you, And you haven't been putting God first. And because you're not putting God first, you don't have the wisdom that God would give you if you put God first and you put yourself in a situation and looking back, you're like, that was not good for me. You're in a marriage 
and your husband or your, or your wife is not paying attention to you, but you're also not putting God first, and you're at work, and he or she at work thinks you're special, you're just such a great girl, you're such a great guy, you know, you deserve better. And because God's not first, you're not putting Him first, you're not seeing that, you're not able to discern that, there's like these blinders on because of that, and you put yourself in a situation that you wouldn't have put yourself in if God would have been first. That's why we got to love God more than our spouse and our kids. We get older, we're in our 70s, our 80s, and God's on the agenda, but He's not first. And Satan starts whispering in our ears, we don't really have any value. Nobody, you know, the kids don't have any time for us. We don't really have purpose, and we don't really necessarily commit a sin, but we go into this deep depression. And the reason why we do that is not because we don't love God, we just love something else more. And we started listening to the serpent a little. I'm preaching now. We start listening to the serpent... And all of a sudden, our mindset's not resurrected like what we talked about on Easter. And we go into this depression and this struggle, and we don't ever want to leave our house. Because we didn't put God first. But if we'd have put God first, God would have given us the wisdom and discernment to say, that voice in my head that says I'm worthless and I don't offer anything anymore, that's Satan's voice because I've got wisdom And I'm still valuable, and God's going to use me. I share that with you because I can't really judge Adam and Eve too much, because to be honest with you, I'm Adam, and if you're female, you're Eve. All of us, without God, would make the same decision. Not everyone has your family's best interest at heart. And if we don't put God first... This is just a principle. This isn't picking on me or you. This is a principle. If we don't put God first, we're going to miss it. Me too. Another observation from that story we shared just a little bit ago is we have to keep our family away from the tree if we don't want them to eat the fruit. Here's a question for you. Why were Adam and Eve hanging around the tree if they weren't supposed to eat the fruit? I remember in high school talking to my parents about, can I stay up, can I stay out with such and such after the prom's over or whatever's over, you know. And I remember my parents saying, nothing good happens at 2 o'clock in the morning at somebody's house. In other words, if you don't want to, if you don't want to, well, first of all, Kyle, I don't want you to be that person. But if we were going to make, if we want to make good choices, then we got to hang out in the right spots. And I'm not just talking about teenagers. If you're putting yourself around people that are negative, we tend to be negative, don't we? If we're putting ourselves in situations where we're not going to be able to be what God wants us to be, we can end up doing things we never thought we would do. Don't develop a habit, teenage boys, of being alone in your room on the computer at 2 o'clock in the morning and then three months later wondering why you failed. It starts with a habit. Keep your family away from the tree if you don't want them to eat the fruit.
I don't know why my son's struggling with alcohol. I don't know why my daughter is struggling with her image. When she hears you constantly talk about the way you look. Whatever you want for your kids, do it. Because that's what they're going to do. Whatever you want for your grandkids, do it. That's what they're going to do. Jesus says to pray against temptation. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. This version says, and don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. The other thing we can learn from this story is that when we do mess up, because we all do, and if you don't think you mess up, that's your, mess, that's your mess up, thinking that you don't have any mess ups. Take responsibility when you mess up. Let's say that together. Take responsibility when you mess up. Now I want to show you what great leadership from, from Adam looks like. God says, hey, did you eat the apple? And, and God says, or Adam says, it was the woman you gave me. Say that with me. It was the woman you gave me. That's, that's courageous leadership right there, isn't it? God calls him on the carpet and he blames his wife. And God. It was the woman you gave me. So maybe the woman will take responsibility. She's following Adam's leadership and says, The serpent deceived me. I heard this quote that says, when something doesn't work, how you explain it reveals you. Have you ever had somebody, and maybe you're this person, where there's always a reason why they can't do what they're supposed to do? There's always a reason why they're late to work. There's always a reason why they can't follow some guideline like everybody else. There's always a reason why. There's always a reason. You know what I'm saying? And how they explain things, instead of just admitting something, they, they, they push it off and they think nobody catches it, but we do, don't we? When we mess up, and I'm just going to be honest, the other day I lost my temper, I know, I'm not supposed to, but I lost my temper with, with Noah. And I was too mad after what he had did, it wasn't a huge thing, but... I knew I needed to apologize, but I just, I couldn't do it right then. I had to, get, I had to give myself some time, and I got through it. And I went back in, and I said, I, I still stand by what I said, but I, I was wrong by how I said it. I messed up. And he gave me Grace. But if I wouldn't have just acknowledged what I had done, that tension would have stayed there for a while. Does that make sense? We need to give each other grace to misstep because we do. But we also, when someone gives us the grace, we also don't just take advantage of it and we make it right. And maybe there's someone in here today, and I'm not trying to make this a big long sermon, but you need to apologize for something that happened 30 years ago and you haven't done it. And your mindset is that too much time has gone by. 
Maybe what would unlock the tension and, and put the family in a better spot is for you to admit and acknowledge it happened. And maybe God could use that for reconciliation. When something doesn't work, how you explain it reveals you. And lastly, there's hope outside of Eden. Let's read that. There is hope outside of Eden. We know that God sends them out of the Garden of Eden because of their sin. But rather than wiping them out, Scripture says that He sends them out to cultivate the ground because of His grace. Peter says, it is by His great mercy that we have been born again because God raised Jesus Christ from the dead. It doesn't matter where your family's been. Because of Jesus and the cross, He gives us mercy. Families are full of good. They're full of struggle and it's crazy. We were on a, my, my family and I were on a vacation a few years ago uh, we went to Disney World, and the last day that we were there, uh, we were going to go to the beach. I think it was Ormond Beach. And we drove down by the beach, and there was a big sign that says, you can drive on the beach. And so when we pull up to the gate, I, we had rented this Mustang. You need to know that because of the rest of the story. We rented this Mustang for like an upgrade of $18, which, by the way, if you're a big guy, Mustangs are not the way to go. And we pull up there, and I said, are you sure that we can drive out on this beach, and the lady was like, yeah, yeah, you go right ahead. I said, okay, and there was other cars, so we pulled up and got out of the car and took, you know, the 29 inflatables that I'd blown up the night before and took them down the beach about a quarter mile, and we're playing and just hanging out, and all of a sudden, Wick goes, it looks like that water's getting closer to the tires of the Mustang, and so I'm like, oh, okay, so I went down there, and I got in the car, and I should have just put it in reverse because the sand was packed, but instead I put it in drive. And some of you have heard this story, but some of you haven't. That's why I'm telling it. I buried that sucker in sand. I mean, I buried it. So I immediately just get sweaty, and I'm like, oh, my gosh, what am I going to do? And so uh, this guy comes by, and he's in a Speedo, and he's, like, got a gut, and he's older. I mean, just the whole thing, and he's looking at me, and he's like, you stuck? And I'm like, yeah. I tell you what. I give you five guys. We come push you out. And so I said, okay. He goes, I'll go get them. So he goes and leaves. And my wife kind of looks and notices I'm not leaving. And so she comes down and she's like, what happened? And I said, I'm stuck. And she goes, oh, a memory. Uh, and starts taking pictures of it. And <laughs> she, many. Gracie comes down the bias. And I notice she's got this little shovel that you can scoop sand with, and I'm grabbing it, and I'm trying to dig out the back tire. I burnt my hand on the spoiler, and then Speedo Man comes back with some guys, and they try to push us out, and I'm just getting madder and madder and madder. This is not good. This is not crazy. This is bad. And I'm just so mad. And it's because I didn't want to pay the money to have somebody tow us out. But it's getting dark, and now the water, I'm not making this up to make the story sound better. The water is past the back tire. And I'm thinking, this thing's going to go out to sea, and (laughs) I'm going to be on the hook for this car. And I finally, I called the tow truck, and they 
towed us out with about half the beach staring at us. And I went and parked the car, and I'm coming back, and Wit can see the look on my face, and she goes, you need to stop. And I mean, I'm mad. She says, there's about an hour and a half or two hours of sunlight left. And you can decide to get over it, or you can spend the rest of the night mad and angry about what happened and ruin the last couple of hours that we have on vacation. Look out in the water. Your, your kids are out there playing. I said, give me just a minute. And so I did. I took a minute. Have you ever been just so mad you know you need to calm down, but you just can't quite get there? Okay, okay. anybody been there? All right. It's a lonely place up here. And I did. I got over it. And I share that with you this morning because in our families, we can spend all the time that we have left, however long that is, angry or hurt or mad about what took place however long ago. Senior adults, are you hearing me? Teenage kids, are you hearing me? Parents? Or we can take whatever's left and make the most out of it. And many of us intend on doing that, but we can't always get there. But direction, not intentions, determines our destination. We can spend the rest of our lives being angry and being hurt about what mom did or dad did or why your dad should have been a better father or your mother should have been a better father or if your dad would have been more loving to you or your mother would have been more loving to you or if they'd have told you the words, if they would have done this, if they would have done that. We can spend our whole lives taking all of our time wasting energy about things that we can't change. Or can we can say, you know what, what happened shouldn't have happened. But I can't change it. I forgive them. And I'm moving on and I'm going to play with my kids in the water the rest of the night. Well, that's easy for you to say, Kyle, my son was killed. My daughter's not here anymore. My daughter won't speak to me. My grandkids don't even know me. You can sit up there and tell your little cute story. You don't know my life. And my answer would be, I don't. But what are you going to do with that? You're just going to be angry the rest of your life? Or are you going to take the shatteredness that no, you know, this is the truth. No one's going to be able to totally understand what you went through or what I went through. And we can spend the rest of our lives trying to get somebody to understand it. And they're not going to understand it. See, family works best when we trust God, when we put him first, when we say, God, you're big enough to carry my pain for me. You're big enough to carry the wounds that I have. You're big enough to take my ugly story and shape it into something worth talking about. I think maybe it wasn't in this service, maybe it was a different one, but I think there's somebody here today that needed to hear that, and there's somebody in here today that needs to have victory. That's why when we were singing that song earlier, we're free. 
forever we're free. You don't have to carry that anymore. You don't have to spend the rest of your life pointing back to mom. Because she wasn't there. You can say, whether she was there or not, I've got a family in Jesus Christ who loves me. And I'm going to follow him regardless. And you know what? Each one has to follow the one for God's design to work for everyone. Maybe each one in your house isn't following God. But you know what? You can. I did counseling one time with, a, with someone and they kept wanting to know what their spouse needed to do. And finally I said, you know, Sue, you know, I don't need to talk about your spouse. You're the one that's sitting in front of me. Your husband's not even here. You are. So let's work on you. You're here. It doesn't matter who's not here. You're here. And you can make the choice whether each one is or not. That's the God's design right there on the wall. That's the ideal. But what's real is not everybody is following God the way they should. But we can. It's got to start with someone. What if it was you? Faithfulness. God honors faithfulness. I promise you, I have seen this over and over. If you will be faithful, if you will put your trust in God, if you will continue to pray and seek, something good will come out of. I look at my own family. And we went through a mess, a crazy mess when I was a kid. But because of the prayers of my dad and the prayers of my grandparents, all four of us kids are serving the Lord today. Something good came out of that pain. And if you will be faithful and you will pray and you will seek, you may not even know it's it's like God's like, here's the blessing. And you keep missing it. You're missing it because you think he's going to answer you this way. I'm telling you, if you will be faithful, there is a payoff big payoff in heaven but there's a payoff on earth as well whether it's respect because people around you see how you're handling it and it inspires them to do the same whether it's the answer you've been praying for but we live in such an instant society right now that if we don't get it results immediately we're done I keep wanting to shut up but God won't let me Last story. When I was a kid, I used to go fishing all the time with my friend Brian. And we were out at some pits and he had a Christmas tree with him when I showed up. He tossed it in the water. I said, what are you doing? He said, well, you put this tree in the water and crappie and stuff will start to gather around it. That'd be good fishing. So the next day when we went fishing... I went over by that tree and I tossed my line in the water and he goes, what are you doing? I said, you said there's going to be fish here. He said, Kyle, it takes two or three years. When you start putting God first, you're tossing Christmas trees in the water and you're expecting fish to just swarm around there one, all in one day. It takes time. But you keep praying, you keep doing what's right, you keep putting Christmas trees out, and there's going to be a harvest, amen?
I believe that. I've seen it happen. I've seen just in the last year a marriage that was dead, that God has raised to life. I'm telling you, it was dead. I had exhausted myself. It was dead. And God raised it to life. We have seen people who had stage four cancer. One of the girls who shared her story last year, she was standing on this stage. God healed her. And even if he doesn't put your marriage together, and even if he doesn't heal the cancer, will you be faithful? Okay, now I'm done. Let's stand together. I think the Holy Spirit is big enough to help all of us unpack that. If you want to come and pray, you can do it. What would it look like if you would be the one to say, God, I put you first in my family. So may you take the time to grieve Eden if you need to. Maybe you've never grieved a relationship And God's calling you to grieve it. Sometimes we have to grieve it so we can leave it. But maybe for some of us, it's not that you haven't grieved it. You've just sat there and grieved it and grieved it and grieved it and grieved it and grieved it. Oh, I wish I was in Eden. I wish I was in Eden. For that person, may you get up and do what Adam did and just begin to cultivate and move forward. May you decide not based on emotions. Sometimes emotions are the last thing to come. May you decide to move on and get up and breathe again. May you choose to believe what God says about you, not what your neighbor's family looks like to you. Facebook is just a highlight reel. And we get to this point where we compare each other's families. There's no perfect family. May we trust God outside of Eden. May we trust God with the things we don't have answers to. May we trust God in the meantime. May we be faithful even in the storm. Words in the Bible tell us, and it came to pass. The clouds will lift and the sun will shine again. Jesus, thank you that you created family of all shapes and kinds. Thank you that regardless of how bad or good our family was or is, you give us a choice every day. You don't make robots. And may we choose to follow you first. Forgive us on the times we don't. And Lord, I I just pray for some single moms and some widows and widowers. May they find purpose in you. Lord, I think of my own family right now and it's just crazy. We're ball games and we're going here and there. Lord, in the midst of all that, may we never forget that you're first. Protect us. Pray for a single in here, Lord, that is not married yet. Father, help them to wait on the right person.
Help us not to marry who's in front of us. Help us to wait on who you have for us. Protect some high school kids, Lord. They don't even think about long-term, but help them not to make decisions that will impact them. And Lord, thanks for the mercy and the grace you offer us regardless of what we've done. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. Have a blessed Sunday.